Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Aram Arslanian, and today we are talking to David Diestel, president of First Service Residential South Region, and we're going to be discussing healthy high performance. And when I think about that idea, performing at a high level while staying healthy, it sounds like so, I don't know, corny almost, like, oh, like, take care of yourself. But no, like, you really have to do that. And to do that, you have to have a plan. So this episode is all about staying in that place where you are doing your best job, where you're pushing yourself, you're growing, but also taking care of yourself. And I'll say I learned so much from David today, and I'm positive you will too. So tuck in and get ready for the next episode of One Step Beyond. Welcome back to the show, everyone. As I mentioned in our intro, today we've got David Diestel with us. And David is the president of First Service Residential South Region. And he's kind of that perfect combination for me as a, as a guest. It's someone that I admire and respect, a long-term client, and also someone who we've developed a real friendship over the years. So today is as much as a cool topic when we're talking about healthy high performance, as it is two people getting together who know each other, like each other, and have a lot of the same shared passions around running and exercise and how we weave that into our professional career. So David, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm uh, terrific and I'm excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Okay. So David, before we get into our topic today, can you tell us for the listeners who wouldn't necessarily know what first service residential is or what it would mean to be a president of a region. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, I'm happy to. Thank you. So today in my professional life, as you mentioned, I'm the president of the South for First Service, and we manage residential communities on behalf of homeowners and residents. Um, what that means is we provide all the services to serve you in your home or community. Everything from the wonderful front desk that greets you when you walk in, to a housekeeper maintenance team, as well as the great programs that get run in the communities that we describe as lifestyle communities. And so we're incredibly proud to serve over 400,000 homeowners from Miami to Nashville. And so I do that from our region office, which is based right down here in South Florida and Hollywood, um, as well as well, 20 offices across the entire state of Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Okay, awesome. So it is truly a people industry. You're literally working with people in their homes and in their communities. Yeah, absolutely. We are in the service industry all day long. That's what our teams are doing, delivering service to you in your home and your community. And that's what makes this so fascinating because we are leading through our teams to deliver our service. Yeah. And so I can imagine during COVID also like that adds a whole extra level of complexity and, and really thoughtfulness of how you engage with clients. Oh yeah. This is really an interesting time for us. Right. What we are seeing is uh, as proud as we are for what we've been able to do at this time that matters most to our residents. Uh, it is also about our teams and keeping our teams high performing, supporting them through this crisis personally, as well as keeping our residents and team members safe through this terrible coronavirus. Yeah. And, and so when I think of high performance across any industry, because I don't want to diminish what high performance would mean in any kind of industry. However, when I think very specifically to industries that are really people-centered, so really, really in the like service industry of being with people day-to-day, -day, working with people around their comfort, around their safety, around their health, that's a whole different kind of high performance because there's not just how you show up and get your tasks done. It's really like literally how do you manage the human component of that and how are you with people in all the different states? So what can you tell us about what it means to be like a high performer in the industry that you're in? Yeah, I mean, what we've seen uh, just through all of this, like high performance for our teams is delivering on expectations for our homeowners, but it's also about how we're delivering on our business goals and us as an organization, how we come together as a team. And that is probably the biggest thing that we've been able to accomplish is because as a team, it's the, that trust in each other through these times, 
as well as how we've run our business for the last few years to show results. And so as individuals, that has been the balance is as everyone on our team has been going through personal challenges, we all live through COVID in our personal lives. It's how do you stay healthy, focused on the business and balancing the needs of our clients, showing up each and every day at the residents that we serve. And we're really fortunate. We've been deemed an essential service through this pandemic. And what that means is our teams continue to show up each and every day with a smile and a service attitude while themselves are worrying about their own lives and personal. Like it's, it's a tough balance for our team members. And I would say that's where we've put most of our efforts through this pandemic. Yeah. And you hit right on what I was thinking. It's like you're showing up, you're doing all this great work with people and you're really being thoughtful of you know, taking care of people and helping them take care of their communities. But like, you're also a human being, you got like friends, family, you've got parents, you got a home you own, you got kids, like all that stuff. Um, so there's got to be some strain in the stress. And that's where I, the concept of self-care, I think is super important. And, you know, like when you get on a plane, we've all had the flight attendants give us the speech where, you know, like if the masks come down, you put on your mask first, don't put it on your kid. And like, any parent, you know, whenever I hear that speech, I always like nod. Yeah, yeah, of course. But in my head, I'm like, hell no. If that mask comes down, I'm putting it on my kid first. But this isn't because like airlines are anti-kid. It's more that they're pro the idea of if an adult passes out, that's way more of a burden on the community of the flight than a kid passing out because taking care of like an adult is heavier to like get an adult off a flight and in a crisis situation. It's a much bigger deal if an adult passes out. So when I think about like taking care of ourselves first, I think it's kind of like a selfless act because when you're someone who's in an industry, like any industry where it's like service of others is the main focus, you're used to putting everyone before you, but in a time in general, but also in a time like we're in right now, taking care of yourself is actually like the most important thing because by taking care of yourself, you're actually able to take care of others. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, no, Aram, I couldn't agree more. It's so true. I mean, our message to our teams, and thank you for all that you've done to support our teams through this, you know, is about that self-care, caring for yourself so that you can care for your family as well as care for our communities. I mean, that has been the big challenge through these times. And all the way through just having conversations with our team members about that. Have you taken time off? I mean, what's interesting is our team is so resilient. Like what we saw was the, when initially back in March, when COVID hit, was an incredible high performance, like stepping up, being innovative, working 24 seven, right? And now we're in here. Now what's become evident is we are in this for the long haul. And that's where the self-care has been so important. As we learned that after 90 days, um, where our teams were starting to show those signs of fatigue and stress. Yeah. And I've been seeing this across all of the business world. So even like in the um, really high touch industries that are very, very uh, service driven all the way to, uh, you know, industries that are like hands-on industries, you're behind a computer, the cracks are starting to show. And that's why we're thinking self-care. How do we have that healthy, high performance? So to our topic, it's really common for high performing professionals and senior leaders across industries to be very involved in athletics. And, you know, like really like tough sports and you see people who are doing like yoga or marathons or ultra marathons, or triathlons or cycling, like all sorts of things. And there's so many more I didn't mention there. So why do you think that's so prevalent? Why so many people in, in, uh, in senior levels or high performing people are involved in athletics? Yeah, I can share my personal observations around this, Aram. And the, the first point on this, and for me personally, was it's your own health and well-being. I mean, there's no question about it. My own personal, for my own mind and, and well-being, right? I find when I'm exercising, what that means is I'm sleeping better, I'm eating healthier, and I do have more energy and a more positive outlook. I mean, I've seen this. And, and I love how you articulate, you know, the four legs of the stool, right? which is about, you know, healthy diet and eating, exercise, sleep, and also social interactions. And so I do think that leaders have naturally evolved to learning about self-care. And the second point I want to make is I do think that high-performing leaders, we are somewhat competitive. And, <laughs> and I'm going to add, and I admit it, I do, I admit it. 
And also, I would add a competitive and also discipline. Mm. So when, when I see high-performing leaders in athletics, right, they are disciplined, getting up early, training, just with a goal and purpose. And I think those are the traits that make you both a high-performing leader as well as a, let's call it competitive athlete. So I do admit that. It's hilarious that you say the competitive side. Um, for years, like years and years and years, whenever I talk about uh, being competitive, I'd always say, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just really competitive with myself. I'm not really competitive with others. And I got to tell you, that is just not true. Um, <laughs> you know, so, well, Patrick, as soon as I said that, started laughing. And then uh, Dave, who uh, engineers our podcast, as soon as he hears this, he's going to be laughing. And Dave, we keep this in. This is me. I'm happy to joke around about this. It's really become apparent to me the further that cadence goes along, uh, how competitive I actually am. And it's not about um, beating be people or beating businesses or anything like that. It's about performing really, really well. Like I can handle if someone beats me by a few steps uh, because they just happen to be better at faster, stronger, better business. But if they're beating me by like, you know, like half a mile, I'm like, damn, that's not good. So it's, it's a good thing for me to like kind of get in that space. But back to this. Yeah, I agree with all of those things. Um, and when I think about it, like I, I'm going to break into this uh, very quickly about these quadrants of self-care. So what David was messaging there when I talk about the legs of a chair is when we think about self-care, the way that I talk about it is four quadrants. So if you think of like a big plus sign, um, four quadrant grid, in the top left, you want to think about exercise. The top right, you think about diet. The bottom left, you think about sleep. And the bottom right, you think about social. Those four quadrants should be treated like the legs of a chair. You need to have all of them to be able to really like take a load off, to sit down, relax, and just kind of be able to ride out a tough time. The thing is, you can get by with a chair that only has three legs. It is not a comfortable sit. You know, you got to be kind of activating your core. You got to be thinking about where you're leaning. You can get by with a chair that has two legs if the legs are in the right position, but that means you have to be using your legs to stabilize it. But you cannot get by with a chair that has one leg. That's like fool's errand to try and sit on that. And the whole idea here is this, that when you think about things like exercise, diet, sleep, and social activity, you have to have a structured plan around them. At the best of times, you should have a structured plan. And structured should not be complex. It should be very simple and easy to follow, but there should be clear indicators of it. And I, I want to remind everyone of something that I really have become convinced of, that vagueness is prohibitive of health. So if you are vague in your plans in any of those areas, it is prohibitive of you actually doing the plan. So when people are like, oh, I'm going to get in shape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? How many times have you said that in your life? This isn't about running marathons or going on a diet or anything ridiculous like that. It's about knowing what you're going to do so that you can do it. So, David, popping back into when we're thinking about uh, you know, like high-performing professionals and senior leaders really being involved in athleticism, what are the parallels that you would draw between high-performance um, sports and business leadership. So if we think of like any high performance sports, like, well, especially the one that we're going to talk about in a second, which relates to you. But if we think about something like, let's say, uh, running, cycling, triathlons, any of that, what's the, what's the connection? Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. What I've seen as a team, when we talk about high performance and the parallels with running a business is so much of what I've learned and experienced is the incredible success we've had as a team. So I am going to start with the first point, which is culture. And what I mean by that is the power of a team working together. And there's so many parallels between sports and high-performing businesses. And it's about coming together with a common purpose and trusting in each other to deliver and elevate everything we do. Mm -hmm. The second part I've seen us do really well as a team is we set out a plan, right? We get together and we set these big lofty goals and then we execute on that plan with discipline. And the incredible mm -hmm. success I've seen with our team in the South is that when we set out our five-year plan, we, we knew where we'd get to a much better place if we just followed the plan that we set out. So that with discipline. And the last point, what I've seen is also just trusting the data and the information and learning from others, right? Mm -hmm. And with that, if, if you've ever gone through high-performance training, um, running, or any other sport, right? It, you do have to rely on your training, your coaches, and others to help you. And as a result, those parallels, there are so many I could get into. 
starting with you know the operating discipline, how you train as a team, how you act as a team, and that gets us to a whole new level of performance. Yeah, I I, I love that and that trusting the data. It's funny you say that because you know when I first started you know cycling, running, and getting getting into it, the difference between getting into it and kind of just doing it like yeah you know I'll just go do this versus getting serious about it is when I started playing with data. And, you know, when I got on Strava and I started looking at things and being like, oh, how come I did that ride a little faster? Oh, like, you know, what if I did that? And it also helped me learn how to take on types of challenges. So data was super important, very specifically around health and high performance. Um, Where data really has been helpful to me is when I'm super stressed out or, and you and I have talked about this, when I just get off the grid, when I stop running, when I stop cycling, when, you know, when you send me a message and you're like, hey, Ram, I haven't seen a run on Strava in like two months. What's wrong with you? Like that kind of stuff. It's really good for me to like use data to help boost my uh, interest in doing it. I can see like, hey, you know, I haven't ran for like maybe six weeks, but like I actually killed it on this run. I did really good. You know, I think I could go and crush it. I think I'm going to keep going. So data can also be like a real um, incentive you know, to keep pushing and going. Yeah. And that's a really interesting point. I, I'd like to actually get your perspective on this. Aaron. I mean, you are a professional mm-hmm. coach, you help others. It's mm-hmm. what you do. And so when you think about trusting others and having coaches in our life, both for running and high performing sports, but also business and professional, I mean, what have you seen? I mean, at what point do we all need to trust experts outside advice? That's a really good question. So it sounds a little bit self-serving when I say this, but uh, I really deeply encourage people who are in senior leadership roles that you should have a coach. You don't have to have a coach for like 10 years. You know, you can have a coach for six months. Uh, Leaders should have coaches, at least in their orbit, that they can lean into from time to time. When you get into a place where you think you're doing just great, you should talk to a coach. doesn't mean you have to engage with a coach, but if you're just like, Things are humming along. You're like, yeah, it's great. You should check in with a coach. You might actually be in that space where you're not pushing yourself as far as you could be. You're not stretching yourself. When people come to coaches in times of crisis, I'm not saying that's like a bad thing, but like anybody can go to the doctor when they've got a cold, right? Like, are you going to the nutritionist when you feel well and saying like, hey, how could I get even better? So I'm a real believer in having kind of an ongoing engagement with a coach where you can pop in and out of the relationship just to get kind of like a personal trainer. So you can get that thing that you need to take forward, which is like very much like the relationship that you and I have had is, you know, like we, we don't talk every day. We talk in a kind of a regular cadence over time. Um, but it's not like super, super intensive, any senior leader. And I tell you, like even high performing professionals who aren't senior, it's a good thing to do because just like a personal trainer, a personal trainer, doesn't show you like doesn't say like, oh, you should exercise. You know that. But what they do is they're saying like, hey, here's the weak spots in your exercise. You're doing all of these things and it's ineffective. Like, yes, you're exercising, but you're exercising in a way that's ineffective. This is what you should do. So it's really about upping your game. Um, and just to be clear for other people, like I go to people for business advice, including David, uh, who I'm speaking to now. Um, There are CEOs where I will ask them their advice about what I should do with my company. I solicit feedback from my team. I solicit feedback from people who are outside of my world um, in terms of the business because I've got to get feedback. Our performance is only as good as the mirror that gets held up to us. And sometimes our arms are too shaky to hold up the right mirror. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, one thing we've done, and I would say I credit our organization with this and our leadership, Aram, is, you know, not benchmarking against our industry but also looking to others. Like we're benchmarking, we benchmark ourselves against other wonderful service hospitality leaders and other service industries, not our own community management competitors. And so looking to the outside, uh, looking for new creative ways as we're sort of exploring how we elevate our own service and what we're investing in, um, you know, to be a learning organization that's constantly in continuous improvement mode, I think it is important in how we challenge ourselves. Yeah. So very much on that, when we think about healthy high performance, I think there's kind of two ways that we could look at that. Part of it is like, how do you stay healthy while performing in like a high performance way, like physically or mentally healthy, but also how would you define healthy high performance? 
because, you know, I think there's like this kind of classic idea of the person who's the workaholic. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I've, I've had people say like, oh, Ram, you're a workaholic where I'm like, oh, no, I just like working. Like I, I enjoy what I do. I like doing it. So what's, what's healthy high performance versus being like a workaholic and having like unhealthy patterns for you? Yeah, I would say for me, I would add a term in there for healthy high performance. I'm going to add a term with balance. Mm. And the reason I say that is in business, as an example, it's too easy to say high performance. We're just going to grow revenue. We are just going to drive profit. We're going to cut costs. And for me, it is about balance. I know when I think about me as a runner, I'm going to add the term age group runner. Like it's about elevating service, competing at a level that's great for me and about improving my own personal performance and feeling good about what I can accomplish and setting new goals and getting to a whole new level. And so when I say healthy high performance with balance, uh, if you think about the example of running, I could become the world's best runner. Well, let me restate that. That's a little exaggeration. (laughs) I could become a much better runner if I ignored my family, if I didn't show up for my day job. For me, healthy high performance, it's far more challenging and rewarding to show up and become a better runner and keep my day job and be a successful business leader and be able to spend time with my family. So all of that is what I would describe as with balance. Because for me, it's too easy to say, I'm gonna become a better runner and not show up for that meeting and not show up to be there for my kids. So for me, it is about that balance that we introduce and making trade-offs, right? To feel good about ourselves and being able to serve others at the same time. Yeah, I love that you say that. Because when I think about, you know, workaholics and, and being in that space. I think it's all about lack of balance where your sole source of esteem and, and, you know, like drive and energy is all really just about work and all the other things are kind of a hollow pursuit and you let them just kind of wither on the vine. That to me would be more of a workaholic where I think high performance is high performance in terms of you're performing high in your workspace, in your family life and in all of the different areas. And that does require energy management and knowing where you're going to put time and effort. And it also means not everything has to be at the same level of intensity at all times. So for example, there are some times where you're going to be a bit more focused on your family or a bit more focused on your job or a bit more focused on, you know, personal stuff like athleticism. And it's okay to shift that focus as long as you're doing it with intent. And uh, it can be really easy to shift into, into unhealthy habits. And that's where I want to go to the other kind of uh, healthy high performance is how do we stay healthy while being in a high performance mode? Like, how do we take care of ourselves? So moving away from generalities, let's talk about you. How do you take care of yourself? Well, I want to go back to why you started off our conversation by talking about, which is have a plan, hmm. set goals. So for me, myself, that is what I've always done. So I know it sounds... Um, almost ridiculous to say this out loud, but I always did think about a life plan. I wanted to have kids, right? I didn't necessarily know I wanted, we were going to live in Florida, but it was about having a life plan, have a family, be able to spend time, take vacations, but also my professional career, set goals, whether financial goals and what I wanted to accomplish. And I do the same thing um, in my athletic, so running, uh, I set a goal, which is achievable. So, and what we've also done, uh, it's really when I think back to our success as a team, is that balance of having a plan. So everybody, it relieves anxiety. And then you know how to drive to goals and get results. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to saying with discipline, right? So that you have a plan and you can make those trade-offs and adjust as you need to. And that's really the big, single biggest thing I've been able to do is I set a goal for running, whether it's now my new, my new sport of free diving. Can't wait to get to that, Aaron. That's an exciting new topic for me, uh, as well as set goals in the, for our business. And then that way, we're all feeling fulfilled and we can drive to, again, that's what I describe as healthy, high performance. Mm, yeah, I love that. And, you know, I, I, just out of interest, at what point did that athleticism become part of your self-care? Was it always there or is it something that you kind of got into at some point? Yes, I would say to you... Um, I've always been athletic growing up through as a child and, and through high school and university. I did let it fall off. Mm. And so I was uh, much earlier in my career and I would say I gained a ton of weight. I had two kids. I was working incredibly hard, but I let myself go. 
And what I noticed was my wife was looking at me a little bit differently when I would open the fridge door and my kids were like poking at my belly. And I was also noticing it was starting to just affect me. I, yeah. I wouldn't use the term depressed, but I was noticing I wasn't feeling great about myself. Mm. And so one day I just decided it was about 10 years ago. And I just said, look, I'm going to get in shape. I got to keep up with my kids. And at the same time, I set some goals and I started to run. And uh, that's when I loved that. And I continued that journey ever since. So that was about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was after I'd moved on from being a therapist to going into coaching, because as a therapist, my clients were just kind of, but there was a never ending like, a group of people that were coming to seek therapy, especially because I worked in a, in a provincial agency. So clients were always accessing us. When I entered into a job that was truly high performance in the sense of like, you actually had to like go out, drive business. Like, you know, I started running a P&L, like all of that kind of stuff. When that happened, I saw, like I started working super wild hours, traveling home for work, eating airport food, like getting like really, really unhealthy. But also like, yeah, I started getting anxious. I started getting a bit depressed because it can be isolating working at that pace. And I started cycling and uh, it was a game changer for me. And I grew up as a skateboarder and playing sports and I was quite athletic. And then just like most people, I stopped and I started playing music and all of that. But when I just didn't have something in my life to funnel energy into and specifically like get physical exercise, it really took a toll on me, but only when I entered into a high performing job. And I'll tell you, once I got into cycling and running and doing triathlons, boom, it clicked. I like suddenly it became such a clear way for me to stay in that space and feel good and energized. Yeah, I noticed the same thing, Aaron. Like the, as soon as I started to run, I noticed I had a lot more energy. And in particular, it was in my professional life and work. Um, I had more time. And, and what, you know, resulted with that discipline and training, it did give me more purpose, more energy. And so I did find that as well as helping me in my personal space, my kids are able to keep back up with my kids and all of that, as well as at work, I ended up being far more effective and it really helped motivate me personally and, and with a lot more energy with my team. So um, it's really interesting to me that by adding this whole new level of activity uh, made me far more effective professionally and made me feel better about myself. Totally. Uh, one of my best friends, a guy named Trey, who lives out in uh, Boston. What up, Trey? Shout out to Trey. Uh, whenever things get like, tough for me or if I sound a bit off, the first thing he says is like, are you running? Like, are you cycling? Like, he always checks in with me on that. And I'll tell you, nine times out of 10, when he checks in with me on that, I haven't, I haven't ran for like a week or two, right? So it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's become such a part of how, uh, how I stay in that zone. All right. But the other thing that I tell people about a lot is, you know, in general, especially high-performing people when we're really, really focused, sometimes our worlds can get a little small right? Because we're so focused on these things and we start getting small mind. So instead of big mind and kind of realizing we're in this world full of like beauty and opportunity and different things, we get hyper-focused with what I call small mind. Like here are the things I need to do to get to the place I want to go. And a good way to step out of small mind thinking and back into the big mind is do novel things. You know, I always say to someone, if you want to learn how to play guitar, now's the time. If you want to learn how to dance, go learn how to dance. If you want to take on a new sport, take on a new sport. And this is where we come to your new passion, which is freediving. So tell us how you got in. Well, first of all, tell us what freediving is and how you got into it. Oh, yeah. So freediving, for those of you who don't know, um, freediving is this, I'm going to describe crazy sport that I just <laughs> discovered, right? Which is about holding your breath, one breath, seeing how far and how deep you can go underwater. So I'm going to say that again. You hold your breath and you see how deep you can go. And if, for those of you who can't appreciate that, just think about this. It's not how deep you go because you still have to come back up on for the return journey. So it is this wild new subculture that I'm, I discovered while on vacation last year in Costa Rica. Um, and it came at just the right moment for me. Um, and so, I mean, allow me to share, right? right? It was November just finished our budget presentation. And I was, I'll be honest, I was stressed out. Been an incredible year, was tired. 
uh, and I'm on vacation in Costa Rica. And yet again, I had allowed my personal well-being to just slip a little bit. I was the heaviest guy on the beach. And as we were walking, right, we noticed when we met the Belgian freediving champion who invited me. And I suddenly learned this incredible new sport that for me was a whole journey into this new world of subculture of freediving, being at one with the ocean, uh, mind over matter. It was beautiful. And now, as you can tell, I'm, I'm enjoying this, my newfound discovery. <laughs> so for, for people, and you've heard him mention it already, but I want to be really clear. David lives in Florida and anyone who knows me personally knows I'm terrified of sharks. So like, as soon as you talk about this, all I can think about is sharks. Like, have you seen a shark while you're doing this? Uh, so we were just out two weeks ago, free diving. I personally didn't see the shark, but everybody who was still out in the water was like, oh my God, did you guys see that bull shark that came after and disappeared and everything else? Yes, nobody got hurt. Um, and to my knowledge, uh, no one's been attacked free diving with sharks, but it's certainly, uh, when you think of extreme sport, free diving is really, it is exciting. And you're out in the ocean, Aram. So I'm not sure it's for you, but I, no. I love, you're welcome to come out with me anytime. I will view from a, uh, a drone video feed. If you don't mind, I will absolutely not do that. Um, all right. So what is it about free diving? specifically that plays into this like high performance mindset and like is part has become part of your self-care like what is it about freediving specifically yeah so what i learned just from my freediving experience it was a whole journey into this whole new world uh, and it added a new dimension as a runner i always used to back down at the thought of pain mind mm -hmm. over matter i never pushed myself far enough and what freediving has taught me is you need to relax be calm, and it is much more meditative. In other words, when you see how long you can hold your breath for, it is about relaxation, how you breathe, but also that pain you feel when you're urged to breathe, it's all mental. I'm gonna repeat that, it is all mental. And what I learned free diving is mind over matter. You just embrace the pain and keep going. So when I first started freediving, we did a crazy experiment. I challenge all of you listening to this podcast to just try this. Hold your breath on the couch. See how long you can do it for. And that sensation of when you can't hold your breath anymore and you're, you're pounding and you feel your diaphragm moving, that's about a third of the way. You can just keep going. And so you learn how to control that, learn what you're doing. And that whole mind over matter is real for me. And I, it's a new challenge. So. I'm just excited about trying something new and exploring the world of freedom. Uh, so first of all, uh, Patrick, who is sitting across from me right now, is definitely going to go home, hold his breath on the couch. And if he passes out, I'm going to send him to you. But <laughs> all right. This is like really compelling to me because you said something about running that, um, you know, we hear a lot as runners. If things start hurting, don't keep don't try and run through it. You know, like take care of your body, take care of your knees, take care of your hips, take care of your feet. And, you know, right now I've been um, really focused on like watching out for my lower back and my knee, my right knee right now, which is always a real issue. So it's kind of a, it's a different discipline where you're saying like, hey, when there's that pain, it is actually about pushing through it and just relaxing, understanding the nature of the pain and essentially just waiting it out, pushing beyond it. Yeah, let me clarify that. The pain mm -hmm. I'm referring to, Aaron, if you watch anybody who's run a 5K race, mm -hmm. everybody's got the um, energy left to sprint the last 100 meters. Yeah. The question is, at what point, if you went back, can you do that for the last mile? And when your body says, no, I can't breathe, I got to stop, right? Can you keep going and embrace that and really push your limits without doing damage if you're injured? Yeah. So freediving is the, learning your limits but also about that urge to breathe and, and mind over matter and just relaxing and trusting your training. So I would say as you're, uh, when you're running, if you're actually injured, you need to know that and listen to your body, mm -hmm. which is so, critically important. Oh, totally, totally. So something I'm hearing though, and there seems to be like a clear connection here, but I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you. So you're talking about this, like being in your space, knowing your limits, but trying to push beyond them seeing if you can stretch those. How does that relate to, to high performance? Yeah, so when I think about what our teams have gone through, I wanna go back to our earlier conversation through COVID. 
right? There comes a point in time where you do need to push through, you rise to the challenge that's in front of us, but also at the same time, you need to know where your limits are and listen mm -hmm. to your body, listen to your teams. And so at some point you have to be able to say to the organization or our teams, okay, hang on, we need to add more resources. We need to take a break. We need to take a step back. And so I would say that's the balance as leaders is when to push, when to push your teams, ask for more. And at the same time, at some point, we have to be able to support our teams, whether it's more resources, rethink how we're operating and come back with a whole new plan. Hmm. Yeah. And so I uh, love what you said there, because healthy high performance, it's not about saying like, oh, I can infinitely push myself no matter the situation I can go, you know, as far as possible. It's about saying, hey, based on the situation, how much further can I stretch? And there's going to be times where we can stretch way further than we thought. And there's going to be other times we're actually just surviving and getting through it. That's stretching. That's good enough. And high performance is not like a fixed state. And I don't want to kind of paint this heroic, like, no matter what, go to the next horizon. No, like for me, it's about showing up and doing the best possible job in the situation. And sometimes the best possible job is pushing way past what your limits were. And sometimes it's like, man, I'm just getting this job done because this situation is so, so intense. So really specifically, like when we, since you brought up teams, like what have you been bouncing up against as you're trying to like really, you know, encourage your team to like stay in the mix, like, you know, test their limits during this time of COVID? Yes, I, w I would say we're, with our teams, what I have seen is that sort of deep commitment to service to be there for our residents and then to be there for their own teams who were going through difficulties. So I've seen leaders jump in to support other team members. So uh, lots of examples, for example, of property managers needing to be at home to care for their kids and not be available. So our leadership team has stepped in, but they themselves have to care for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's this cascading effect. So we are encouraging everybody. You need to take a break, take a step back, right? Look mm -hmm. after yourself. And so eventually the fatigue of the organization, right? We're starting to feel it. And the high emotional state of our residents as the coronavirus lockdown continues is people are emotionally charged. So how are we helping our teams cope with that? What tools are we providing them? And as leaders, how are we showing up each and every day to support them in those conversations? And it is through being there for each other and listening to each other and talking about it is really I think what's been the biggest difference and most significant impact we've made for our teams, just acknowledging mm -hmm. the situation, mm -hmm. telling them it'll be all right and to be there for them through this time. Yeah. And uh, having the opportunity to walk with you and the organization through this, like it's, it's cool to see and you're walking the walk, you're talking the talk, you're walking the walk, you're really doing that. What's been difficult for you though, as a, as a leader, as a person, as a father, a husband, you know, business leader, What's been difficult for you about pushing yourself in this space for high performance? Yeah, I would say with personally, it is watching my kids who are in high school, just being in lockdown and missing those high school experiences. So it's something I just, I worry about. Like we all had those, I have wonderful memories of my high school times. Mm -hmm. And these are, and then balancing that with everything we need to do professionally for our teams and everything else. So I myself, I'm a warrior, mm -hmm. not necessarily a warrior, but a warrior. Mm -hmm. And so at times <laughs> of stress, right? How do I balance that being there for my family and also being there for my teams? Mm -hmm. And that's when I've gone back to candidly running mm -hmm. and just looking for new outlets, uh, being able to care for myself because I do know it's important to be there for my teams right through this time. So, you know, I, like, oh, I've gone through my own ups and downs in the last six months. Um, but what is truly amazing is how, as a team, we've le lent on each other. I mean, thank you, Aaron. You've been there when I've called you. Mm -hmm. So is so the rest of my team. Like, we're there for each other to support each other through this. And, and that has really helped. Yeah. And that, this is what I refer to as positive vulnerability. Like just letting yourself be a human being with a bunch of other human beings. Uh, sometimes in the business world, we think we're supposed to have these walls built up around us. And 
I would encourage people to think, what does it mean to be positively vulnerable? And what I mean by that is not that you're like, I'm positive, like PMA all day. Like, no, uh, it's not for me. What I mean more is that you can tell people what's really going on for you, the, both the challenging and the good stuff, in an honest way without shining it. Like you're not making it worse, you're not making it better, and you're being thoughtful of the impact it could have on someone else. So you have no problem sharing what's really going on, but you're thoughtful of how you do it. And, that's, and, and you go from a positive intent, this is good for me, and it will likely be good for someone else to hear. And when we think of it's good for someone else to hear, it's people like to actually be able to help each other. People like to be able to take a load off of someone else. And this isn't about advice giving or problem solving, but just to wit, bear witness for each other. And the other thing that's good about it is when you share with someone that you're having a hard time, they usually can connect and be like, oh my gosh, finally someone else, like, I don't have to pretend like I'm totally okay here because I'm not okay either. Like that positive vulnerability is really important. And uh, I love to hear that you're applying that. All right. So let's, let's think about our audience though. So some of our audience, like the audience of this podcast is, it's a really neat mix because we've got people who are like pure business, like totally business people all the way into people from the punk scene and, you know, have like, they could be early career or still in you know college or university or even high school. So with that, if we're talking about a, a very diverse audience, a portion of that audience are going to be people who are like not at all involved in any kind of athleticism. You know, these could be people that just have never done it in their life. It's just never been a thing, or they've just haven't felt confident enough or healthy enough to do it. Or maybe they were very athletic at one point. So if you had, and I'm not asking you for an expert opinion, just from your perspective. What would you suggest to someone who right now was like, hey, actually, I want to step into, some, into getting healthier, being in a sports space, just as a thing of self-care? What are some steps that you'd suggest to them, like early steps? Oh, I would say, first and foremost, just try it. Find something you enjoy. So um, if it's going out for a walk right, and... If that's something you like, getting on a bike or finding a sport that means something to you that you'd like to just try. And I would really encourage you. It was like me and free diving, me when I first started to run, I was horrible at running. It was run, walk, right? And it was incredible to me how performance just slowly improved over time. So yeah. I would say the first point is just try it. And it ha but it does need to be something that you do enjoy. So Aramite, you know, we live in South Florida, as you pointed out to your listeners. So it is easy for me. I just love the sense of being outdoors. And if that's something you enjoy, just do that. And so. Okay. You know, it, uh, it's, it's funny because like when we talk about trying things, um, I remember when I really realized that I had to get, uh, I had to develop some kind of regimen of self-care so that I could be in that high performance space. And I tried running and I, hated it i was like this is the most boring thing i've ever done it hurts my knees i feel stupid like why do i look like this like i don't want to do it anymore so i always went off of running which is hilarious because it's my primary sport now but i got into cycling i got into cycling because you know i i like stuff and i like i like nerding out on things and kind of like tinkering with bikes and getting like the high performance this and that and a little like little like goofy cycling outfit which patrick now is is also wearing um i liked all that stuff but what's funny is like when i got over the hill um of uh i'd been cycling for a while and i kind of i don't want to say i got bored of it but like because there's so much stuff it started to just become a bit burdensome that's actually when i got into running and the simplicity of it so a thing that i'd add, add in there is like hey don't just get out and try it like try it for a while and try a few different things and it's more about I believe is building up a general base of health so that whatever you do, you can do somewhat okay. And once you can figure out what you can do somewhat okay, then you can decide what you actually like. Because everything sucks at first, like everything's totally painful at first. But once you build up basic, a basic base of health, then you can really see what's like interesting, what you're strong at, what's fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, that balance between something you're passionate and excited about um, is important. So when you say try different things, I mean, for some people, it could be ballroom salsa dancing. Mm -hmm. For others, a member of my team's into skydiving. I'm not encouraging that for everybody. 
<laughs> but those are the things, especially in these times, to find a distraction, something we enjoy, and also bring that exercise to try something new. I think that is important. Yeah. So um, as we are coming you know, towards the close of our conversation, I got a few follow-up questions. So um, what advice do you have for leaders who are trying to develop a high-performance team? So let's say they're either starting a new team or they're moving a team from a place where they're not necessarily high performers, but they're trying to build that culture. What would you suggest for them around not just getting people to like work harder, but actually like remain healthy while they're in a high performance space? Um, my first advice would be, have you built trust as a team? Mm. And that is so important. You see it in sports, you see it in business. And so that ability to be able to have conversations where you, you described, open conversations, build trust, listen to each other. And then from there, start to build a plan. I am confident you'd be amazed at the results and just talk as a team, right? Have those candid conversations. And, um, and when you're having those candid conversations as a team, do challenge yourself. But it, what's really important is that as a team, you believe in the plan that you've come up with. And then you commit to executing on that with discipline. Because when you have that plan, you can then adjust it as things change. That is one of the biggest benefits we've seen of having a plan is you can then change it. And it'll and leave anxiety as a team. It'll build trust. You get some quick wins in. So as you're building that team, that's where I suggest you start. Okay, very cool. So as a result of, you know, sports and the things that you've done kind of like later in life that you've taken on, um, and it could be running, it could be free diving, it could be anything. What is the coolest experience you've had where you're like, wow, I'm so thankful that I did this because now I've had this experience. Oh, I would say there are two things I'd like to leave with. The first thing is I never imagined professionally that when we first started this process as a team, we would take our performance so this whole incredible level of the last five years just by following this plan and that performance and that winning culture was the first thing the second coolest thing i gotta go back to free diving like when i was at i'll never forget this experience when i was about 10 meters down and i was really struggling my lungs i wasn't feeling great and i just relaxed and I thought about my training and I just relaxed and allowed my body. And suddenly I was able to keep going, got down to 20 meters and had this most incredible experience being at one with the ocean. And for me, it just reminded me to be there for myself. I got back up alive to the surface, uh, but it was just that, right? If you just mind over matter, relax and embrace the opportunity, it was tremendous. So those are two things. So thank you, Aaron, for allowing me to share this experience with you and your listeners. Uh, this has been wonderful for me. Okay. So two more questions. We're going we're gonna to start with anything you want to add in based on this topic or anything in general that you want to leave our listeners with. Yes, I would say trust. Trust in yourself trust in your team and also care for yourself because mm -hmm. your teams, your family, they need you to be in a great place, right? So that you can care for them. So you can care for yourself and you can care for others. And then as you started off by saying, Aaron, I go back to it, right? And have a plan, have a plan for your life, have a plan for your teams. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you can then set big goals, improve yourself, improve your teams and I think for me anyway, it, it alleviates a lot of anxiety and stress to just be able to go back to the plan and as, as we talked about and then change it from there. Yeah, I love that. All right. So do you want a music question or do you want a sci-fi question? It's your call. Oh, wow. Uh, all right. Let's go with sci-fi. All right. What is your number one like must-see sci-fi movie or TV series that if you're saying like someone like, listen, if you're uninitiated and you think sci-fi is totally corny and you're not into it, you need to watch this movie or this TV show and you'll totally get it. So right now I am watching Mandalorian. Uh, for me, it's that throwback. Yeah. Right. Um, and going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, sometimes I do think I'm Yoda. <laughs> um, but, but, Right. Um, 
I just love it. And sci-fi for me is a throwback. It's a distraction in today's mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. um, so I just enjoy being able to totally lie on the couch uh, and immerse myself in it. So thank you for asking. Yeah, and I just watched uh, episode one of season two the other day, and it is so sick. It is so good. It's the best Star Wars that has come out in a long, long, long time. I won't go down that rabbit hole. All right, so everyone, as we're closing off, I want to go back to the, to the idea that David and I have been talking about, and David really beautifully underlined. When we think of healthy high performance, health cannot be discounted. And it's not about like having the best diet or, you know, like, you know, having this ridiculous like body fat ratio or anything like that. It's literally just about having a plan. How do you take care of yourself so that you can perform in a really strong way, not just at work, but across all of the regions of your life? Because that balance that we're talking about there, that's about putting your mask on first. When you've taken care of yourself in the right way, you can show up for the people in your life, the people in your workplace, and the people in your community. So with that, David, thank you so much for showing up today. And Dave, drop the beat. And one of the coolest things for me is speaking with someone that I know is just completely on the up and up. So I've known David for, I don't know, a decade at least. And he just is the person that he uh, sounded like on that podcast. Someone who's super humble, who's really plugged in, really, really cares about others, and also puts a big focus on maintaining really strong health for himself. And the whole thing that I hope everyone got out of that episode was taking care of yourself is more than just a bunch of vague ideas. It's really about having a plan, knowing what you want to focus on, understanding why. To do that, you got to break it down. you got to think, what am I trying to achieve here? Why does it matter? And then you build a plan that's going to support health. When you're healthy, not only do you take care of yourself, you're able to take care of everyone around you. Put your mask on first. So i got to thank David so much for your time, for your wisdom, for making references to being like Yoda. Dead on. Couldn't agree more. And uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time on One Step Beyond. Thank you.